everyone, welcome to the fourth edition of Nerds on the Black. I'm your host, Zach Gifford, again from Birds on the Black. We'll be uh, today talking major league updates, um, some ma- major league charity going on, uh, minor league updates specifically in terms of paying players, and that information is kind of still coming out live. Uh, we'll talk, I have some stuff ready about Dexter Fowler, Colton Wong, Graham, Graham thanks for joining. Uh, I am 13 minutes late. I have found that uh, every time I go to do this, I run into a new um, I run into a new issue tech-wise. So today I was trying to set this up on um, just kind of go back to the normal Periscope format, but with a different um, on a different device. And I was having some issues there getting connected to the AirPods. Let me know if you can uh, hear me well enough. I don't know how this is going to come, how this is really coming through. Um, again, trying something a little bit new. But yeah, so we'll be talking uh, Major League updates, specifically Adam Wainwright um, and Dexter Fowler uh, doing really good things for charity um, to support um, to support co- the communities in uh, different communities in the COVID crisis. Um, we'll be talking a little more on Dexter Fowler. Um, kind of, it, it's weird to talk about baseball, but I do have a couple like actual baseball player analysis things. Uh, kind of go ready uh kind of teed up so we'll talk about that um i think the big news of the day was the minor leaguers so we'll probably um probably go through there uh i'm seeing that commenting is off if you guys are having issues i'm not really sure why that would be the case let me see if i can do anything um maybe probably not um i don't know are you guys having issues commenting i see graham but graham's the only one i see um, somebody texted me and said the comments are off, so that might be, I think I've had this issue before and I don't really know why. Um, let's see, might have to kick this over. Let's see. I don't know. So like I said, there's always a tech issue when I do this. Um, is anyone, if you guys try to comment, uh, I guess you can't let me know. DM me on Twitter. Maybe if you can't comment. Um, so yeah, Graham right now is the only one that could comment for some reason. Um, let me see. Okay, so Grant, maybe it's like my follower, if you follow me on this only. Um, I'm not really sure how to change that mid-broadcast. I don't know if I can, so maybe we'll reboot this and try again. Um, what is going on? So, there's, I mean, there's a few that are coming through, I guess, so whatever. We'll just kind of go with that. Um... So yeah, I guess we'll start um, with some good things. So the uh, yeah, we, I guess Graham, we could start with the guy, with the players that are cutting the uh, uh, the Cardinals cutting kids from the roster. So earlier um, this week or maybe last week, it was announced that the Cardinals are optioning Hennessy Cabrera, Andrew Kisner, um, I think Dylan Carlson was in there, and somebody else uh, to the minor leagues, um, and. I think, you know, with a lot of the developments going on at the major league level, the question's been around service time um, and how that's going to how that's gonna look. Um, you know, for the players that aren't with the season shortened, how's service time going to accrue um, either for guys on active major league rosters or guys who would have been on active rosters once the season started? Uh, Jason Hill at Viva Albertos has a good recap of this. Um, I think, you know, we'll have him... On probably not this time, but maybe next time, once kind of this some more details flushed out, um, we'll have him on to talk about kind of what exactly that means for the Cardinals. 
my understanding of it right now is service time is going to be prorated uh, from whatever opening day is through the end of the season. So let's say you play 80 game, let's say there's 80 team games and a player's on the active roster for 40 of those games. My understanding at least is that that player will get a half year of service time prorated to a normal 162 game schedule. Um, that's probably the best outcome. I think if there's no baseball, I think players are going to get the same service time that they accrued. Um, same service time that they accrued last year. So for somebody like Lane Thomas, if there's no baseball, he doesn't really get any service time. Um, for a player who's on the active roster, they're going to get another full year. So that would really suck for like the Dodgers. They're, if there's no baseball, they get nothing for Mookie Betts. And it would be really weird to look back on the Red Sox trade as the one that the, that Boston won. But if there's no baseball season, that's probably the case um, of what's going to happen. So it, it's definitely a weird situation. Um, hopefully there's a light at the end, end of the tunnel. Um, it seems like based on kind of what we're seeing around cities that – anything before June is going to be unlikely. So just in the last two days, uh, Virginia and Maryland, uh, Virginia announced a stay-at-home order until June 10th. Uh, Maryland announced an indefinite stay-at-home order. Chicago extended to April 30th. And I think I saw a tweet today that 42 of 50 states have some sort of stay-at-home order in effect. Uh, Missouri is one of the ones that don't. Uh, for the people that live there, I think that's probably not ex not unexpected um, that the situation maybe isn't being handled super well. Um, but Toronto came out and said that there was going to be no public gatherings. Um, so baseball obviously being a public gathering, concerts, things of that nature, you have a large group of people in one area. Um, Toronto said that they're not doing any until June 30th. Um, so that bars any home games, at least with fans, for the Toronto Blue Jays until that order is lifted. So I think, you know, kind of the best case scenario would be if you look at the kind of the length of time the major leaguer or MLB has committed to paying minor league players, which we'll get into that a little bit more, that they're kind of looking maybe at reevaluating um, at the end of May. So like maybe June 1st is like the most optimistic scenario. Uh, but like realistically, you're seeing these things get kind of extended I think the White House's model has kind of the still a, a significant number of cases into June, um, and it really t not tailing off until kind of the late summer months, July, August, maybe. So I think base, like my base case guess would be maybe you get baseball July 1st and you can play half a season. Uh, there is some interesting things being thrown around, um, talking about double headers, talking about seven inning games. Um, Talk of playing the regular season through October and then moving the playoffs to November and playing the playoffs in either domes or warm weather stadiums. So, I mean, maybe Miami. Um, I forget what what northern teams have domes. But I think that's a reasonable option. You see that in other uh, – you don't see that in, like, the neutral site games in anything other than – the Super Bowl, to my knowledge, uh, at least for the, among the major professional sports. Like, usually when you have a series, you're doing the home-and-home home, like baseball always does. Um, but I think it'd be a good option if, you know, the goal is to to get baseball baseball games in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're at least, like, working on it. They're staying ahead. Um, hopefully, you know, we can see something come through. 
for in terms of like good MLB news, so hoping that there's a season. Adam Wainwright, I wanted I wanted to talk to a couple of points here, things that the Cardinals, at least players within the Cardinals organization, are doing. Um, as you guys who have followed the blog know, we have been doing a few things with an organization called More Than Baseball, which um, basically helps minor leaguers in need, help pay for food, housing, whatever it is. Um, we've raised probably a few hundred dollars through merch, um, different kind of fundraisers, whatever we've been doing um, to go to that organization. Adam Wainwright beat our uh, our contribution a little bit this week, uh, donating two hundred fifty thousand to more than baseball. Um, it's a little bit a little bit higher, about ten times higher probably than what we have, but that's a big contribution. I mean, that's going to pay. That's going to go a long way. Um, if you think about it, in terms of minor league salaries for a full season, uh, he probably paid for about twenty five minor leaguers with one donation. Um, it's a class act by Adam Wainwright. It's something that I wish that. Uh, you know, I think MLB organizations could come out and do themselves, but to the extent that they're not able to do it, it's really cool to see Wainwright going out on his own and doing that himself. Um, and again, that's more than baseball is an organization that directly uh, directly helps minor league players. Um, what's up, John? Glad to see that some of my friends are able to figure out commenting. Um, another so Dexter Fowler is another Cardinal, and I want to talk a little more about him too after this. But he um, Dexter Fowler announced that he would match every dollar donated to an organization called Three Square in Las Vegas. Uh, Three Square is a food bank, which is basically right now serving people who are struggling with quarantine, lost jobs, um, or school closures. So like kids that would normally get their lunch through, you know, through school and right now have nowhere to get lunch, they can go to, go to these centers. They have 43 minimal interaction locations. Um, and are offering home delivery to senior citizens. Dexter Fowler announced on Twitter um, that he was donate he was going to match every dollar donated to that organization. Uh, there's a great video on Infield Chatter, um, really great video. Uh, as of today, and I think the the window where he was matching donations closed through Dexter Fowler. They raised. Uh, the money they raised provided over 64,000 meals to people in need in Las Vegas. Um, I mean, that's, you know, I think in the in the infield chatter video, they said this might be, you know, he's won a World Series title. Um, I don't know how many dollars that is. I don't know how much they're saying a meal costs, but 64,000 meals is helping a lot of people. It brought attention to that organization. Hopefully, um, you know, that I think we can kind of trust with the organization that's being put to good use, and it's really good to see um, and hopefully, you know, there are other players that will kind of help kind of follow that, follow along that, um, along that path to, to kind of where they can help support, um, help support the communities they live in. Obviously, Dexter Fowler being from the Las Vegas area. Uh, another sort of good news, um, he said on Instagram the total donation was over 20,000, 20K. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't know what the, um, and maybe it was just donations made through his portal. I don't know exactly how they counted, but um, when I looked, I think I saw 64,000 meals. If it's over 20,000, that's incredible. Um, and it's really good to see, obviously. Um, as I kind of mentioned before, the MLB announced yesterday that they're extending the stipend. They're paying minor league players um, through April 8th, which would have basically covered up until the start of the minor league season to May 31st. So the current plan, the, what they're doing right now is they're giving $400 to each minor leaguer 
um, to help pay for basically whatever necessities. And then they're also offering health insurance. They're like keeping these guys on health insurance, um, the team health insurance. So that's not, uh, I mean, that, that's a pretty big, pretty big bonus, but $400 a week, um, through May 31st. I saw, um, I forget the exact account, but there was, uh, there's, there's an account that's going around trying to help minor leaguers find housing in area, like basically their areas where they're from. Uh, and it's an account reaching out to fans basically to, um, you know, find somebody to help sponsor and kind of give the, you know, if you have an extra bedroom and you can give it to a minor leaguer, that sort of thing. Um, one of that account, or at least somebody associated with the account, it looked like, um, said today that they have a player, I think in the Rays organization, I might be wrong, um, that in order to get, to continue getting that $400 stipend, they have to move out of the team facility that they're currently located in. Um, so now instead of, you know, right now I think a lot of the minor leaguers are probably still in team paid facilities or hotels, whatever it is. Um, now, it sounds like, at least based on that one uh, that one piece of evidence, that they'll have to be paying for their housing on top of any food expenses, um, whatever else they're doing. Uh, on basically that four hundred out of that four hundred dollars a week, so you're talking sixteen hundred dollars a month. Um, a lot of the a lot of minor leaguers are you know don't live in the U.S. So um, talking international guys, like they don't have a way to just leave the team facility. Uh, I, there probably are a lot of minor leaguers that can at least return to family and to some extent, uh, or to friends. I think that's going to be a lot tougher for some of the, for some of the international guys. And frankly, it's something that MLB teams shouldn't have to even, even do, uh, you know, in a time like this, there's definitely room to, um, to kind of help support the players who are feeding your MLB organization. Uh, it's really disappointing if that is the case. Um, again, when this is based off one story. If it is the case that they're requiring players to move out of team facilities to get the $400, I think that wipes out a lot of goodwill that they gained by announcing that they're going to continue paying players through May 31st. Um, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, um, hopefully it can get worked out. But again, uh, $400 a week isn't a lot. $400 a week isn't a lot when you also have to pay for housing. Um, more bad news this week. Uh, so this... Uh, other, you know, it, at least within the sports industry that I saw. So there were pr some pretty major layoffs. So freelance workers um, got hit especially hard. Fangraphs had to lay off some of its kind of part-time contributors. The Athletic is putting a freeze on freelance writers. And even the St. Louis Post-Dispatch had to furlough employees for about two weeks or cut their pay by about 4%. Um, I think, you know, it's a tough time, obviously, in anyone covering sports it's important to kind of realize that these things aren't the first, like they aren't necessarily the biggest issues. I, I think for some people it's more, you know, people in the industry who are laid off, it's obviously a bigger issue, but I think from like a fan's perspective, we have to realize like this isn't like the biggest issue. And I think most of us do. Um, but kind of when we peel back the onion and get to the sports world, uh, you know, we can recognize that things like extended lockdowns, things like layoffs, uh, they suck. So, I would encourage people to the extent that you're able to support the writers um, that you that you read through memberships, um, support them you know support them by reading their stuff. So a lot of these sites you know generate fan graphs, for example, generates most of its revenue um, through advertising traffic. 
And without baseball, their their site traffic's been cut in in half at least. Um, and I'm sure that's true, kind of all around all around um, the sports kind of writing world. So, to the extent you can, keep reading their stuff. A lot of these people are doing their best to put out creative content. It's still great. Um, it's not covering games right now like we thought it would be. Fangraphs has said, you know, right now we want to be covering, you know, your position player rankings, things like that. But, um, you know, to the extent we keep, we can support, you know, keep reading, keep uh, keep encouraging, and again, do what you can to stay healthy and get this back. 2020 season happening, yay or nay? Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's sad that it's up in the air, but like I said before, you know, we're seeing extended kind of lockdowns into June. Um, and that's not going to give teams a lot of time. So I think, I think there's a real chance it doesn't happen. I don't want to go on the record and say it won't happen, but there's for sure a pretty good chance that there's no baseball this year, which would suck. Um, I think that would be, you know, if we think a couple of weeks is a huge hit, um, not having baseball for an entire season, uh, would be a disaster. So hopefully, and hopefully we can get this back in July, but I think, you know, there's Kirk Kirk Street was calling the um, college football and NFL seasons into question. Um, yeah. Twitter's going to be rough with no base for a whole season. I haven't figured out what people do on Twitter without sports yet. So far for me, it's been Taylor Swift and bad jokes, but um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a long year without, if we don't have sports, uh, but again, I think it is, it's something that we do have to realize that, uh, you know, we need to do kind of a socially responsible thing to help save lives and kind of help end this pandemic. Where are the Twisted Teas? That is a good question. The Twisted Teas are uh, long gone. We are drinking a Bud Light today, which um, I guess a classic, but not quite as good as a Twisted Tea and not quite as fancy as a better beer. But that's okay. That's what we're working with, um, and we'll go from there. But yeah, I think... Like I said, it's important to realize that kind of sports are super kind of down in the list of concerns we have, but um, they, they are, you know, they are there um, once we get past kind of the, the, the life level issues. What's the update on the dog situation? Yeah, so I've been, um, I found out in quarantine that uh, I can have a dog in my lease. Uh, the situation is not trending towards getting one for a variety of reasons, but I'm working on it. Um, how did, Graham, how did I like Halsey's album? I really like Halsey, Halsey's album. I had never really listened to her, at least knowingly, um, until she, like I ran into Manic, I think it's called, a couple weeks ago, uh, or probably a couple months ago now. I think it's a really good album. Um, she's, I think, pretty talented. I have some friends that, you know, some people maybe disagree a little bit, but I think she's a really, a really talented artist. Uh, there's definitely some songs in there that maybe got a little too, like, mainstream poppy, but, um, she has a few that I really like and I listen to, not every day, but it's on a playlist with kind of my, like, five probably favorite artists, so, um, but yeah, I've been missing out on her, I've been missing out on Camila Cabello too, but, Camila Cabello, but, um, yeah, Halsey's, Halsey's very talented. Uh, Cardinals Gifts doesn't give his opinion. Oh yeah, Cardinals Gifts recommended getting a cat if I can't get a dog. Uh, I'm not really interested in getting a cat. My family has cats because my sister brought some of them home a few years ago. 
those are the nicest cats I think I've met. Um, they're great. If I had to take them in, I would take them in. I would not go out on my own and get a cat on my own free will. Nothing against cats. I'm sure they're wonderful animals. Um, so I think if we want to talk a little, uh, just to circle back to baseball, uh, I kind of there's a few more things I want to get to on Fowler. So and it's a weird time again, weird time to be talking about like regular season things. But going into this season, we uh, I think you know based on the roster moves at least that we saw last week, where you know maybe the Cardinals are looking at service time, maybe they're looking at who would have been on the roster had the season started. It looks like Dexter Fowler would have been the starting right fielder come opening day. Um, and a lot of that at least seems to be pinned on the fact that the Cardinals are paying him $15 million or so, um, and they want to get the most out of him. I was looking back, um, I think it's important to kind of put Fowler's time with the Cardinals into context. He obviously had one really terrible year, um, but we it's kind of well documented that year was he had issues with the Matheny, a strained relationship there, maybe even no relationship there. Um, he came out in the offseason and said he had been struggling with depression, and then, you know, heading into 2019, it kind of it helped him to kind of talk about that, free it up. Uh, and mental health is a big thing. So you have a bad relationship with your manager, um, you know, battling depression during the season, that's going to lead to a down year. I, I'm willing to kind of throw 2018 out as just some random, you know, bad luck that, you know, you – I, I don't want to hold that too much against him. It was a bad year. It's in the past, though. Um, looking at the contract as a whole, it sucks. Looking at the contract today, it's kind of irrelevant. Um, at the time the Cardinals signed him, though, Craig Edwards on Fangraphs and on Viva Alberto's talked about this a little bit. The way you viewed the contract depended on whether you believed that Dexter Fowler was the same bad defender that he always was or whether he had made real improvements in the last couple of years, maybe as the result of analytics or positioning, whatever it was. Um, and the difference in like his value from bad defender to good defender was about one win per year. So like, you know, in his bad years, he was 10 runs below average in his good years. He was average. Um, if you like project out, projected that out, he was basically going to be worth between, two to three wins his first season, one and a half to two and a half the second season, kind of stepping down from there. Um, and by 2020, your projection would have been like 0.5 or to 1.5 or. And so either way, at the time of the contract, the way it was structured, you were planning for Dexter Fowler to not be a starting caliber outfielder on a good team. At the time you signed the contract, you knew then that he was not going to be worth starting in year four. You were paying up front for him to be good in 2017, 2018, 2019. In 2017, he didn't hit the upside projection at three war, but he was at two and a half, which was above his base. 2018, we already talked about, was terrible. We're kind of throwing that out for this, which maybe is not fair. Uh, but then 2019, he was at one and a half. So again, he beat the baseline one. He didn't quite get to the to the kind of upside two, but like you got more value out of him in two of the three seasons where you're planning for him to start for your team. 2020 was the year that they're supposed to be kind of backing him down. He is, I don't, I don't know his exact age. He's in his low to mid thirties. He had two good seasons with the team. Like he was, he was fine last year. Um, but at this point you were planning for him to be basically playing at the level of a fourth outfielder on a good team. 
we have the the team's like successfully gotten Tyler O'Neill to the point where he's ready to play. Lane Thomas has kind of come out of nowhere to seem ready to play. Dylan Carlson sure seems ready to play. So Harrison Bader's got center locked down. Even in a terrible offensive year, he was still like an above average player. There's part of the calculus when they did when they had this contract was that by this time you were going to have to replace Fowler in the starting outfield. He just turned 34. Yeah. You're going to have to replace Fowler in the starting outfield by this year. Like, that should have been part of the plan from the beginning. And it doesn't make any sense that now that they seem to have players who are ready to kind of take the jump um, between Carlson, O'Neill, Thomas, Bader, you have a couple other guys behind them that are maybe a little more fringy, let them take the jump. Like, you, you knew this day was coming, and the fact, I think, you know, we say all the time in con, in free agent contracts that you're paying for the good years up front, and you're accepting that in the back end, they're not going to be worth what they're paid. It seems like it, as fans, we seem to know that, but front offices, at least the Cardinals right now, aren't be, if we believe that Fowler would have been kind of the opening day start, starting right fielder, the Cardinals aren't behaving like that's what they thought at the time they signed the contract. And if that's the case, either one, they're making a really weird decision um, that's totally financially based, um, or they just, they just plan poorly. Um, it's hard to believe they plan poorly because they have replacements ready to go. Uh, you take a repeat of last year, Fowler, for next year, whenever that is. Yeah, I mean, I think you know his projection today for the season is like .7 wins above replacement. Um you know, maybe that rounds up to one if the full season's played. Last year's at 1.5, so you absolutely take 1.5 if you can get it again. Um, I think I saw somebody commenting that part of getting followers overpaying for or outbidding Toronto. That's true. Um, usually, the team that pays the most for a wanted player is probably overpaying relative to everyone else's expectations, but it still shouldn't change. It doesn't change kind of the math of the deal that uh, you sh- they should have been ready for him for him to go. Uh, Cardinals gifts, how are contracts even working right now? I don't think we necessarily totally know. Um, Bob Nightingale had a tweet the other day that made no sense, basically saying that players, MLB players were going to get a fixed dollar amount. I think that was probably also like for, uh, I forget what dollar amount it was. Hit some dollar amount per week that baseball wasn't played. Um and then once baseball starts, it sounds like their salaries would be prorated. So I don't know if that means if 81 games are played, they get half of their 162-game salary. I think that's probably the case. Um, but Bob also said that the max any player could get was 300000 which seems wrong considering you have players under contract for several dozens of millions at this point. Um, I don't think Mike Trout's getting 300000 if baseball's played next year. But maybe if baseball's not played, the the minimum is, or the, my guess would be that if there's no baseball, I think it's a minimum of three hundred thousand, um, regardless of contract, and if it is played, it's prorated based on the one sixty two game, um, so which has motivated the players association to push for things like seven inning doubleheaders, um, playing regular season games into October, moving playoffs to. Um, to neutral sites, explain it like you're five. Um, <laughs> it's sort of hard. Um, I mean, basically, you get a minimum 
of $300,000 if there's no baseball. Yeah, so Mookie Betts, if they played the full season, gets $27 million. If they play no season, I think he gets $300,000, accrues a year of service time, and leaves the Dodgers. If there is half of a season, so if they play 81 games, he gets half of $27 million, accrues his full year of service time still, and, go, and goes to free agency. Uh, Michael, so Zach, yes. What am I doing in quarantine? Uh, that's actually a good question. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, um, and I need to like keep a log of, um, maybe keep a log of what I'm doing, because to be honest, I can't really tell. I'm playing video games, I guess. Um, I'm working uh, remotely, so have my little home office set up. Uh, spending an unhealthy amount of time online. Um, started watching TikTok, which is also such a stupid idea. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, Battlefront 2, highly recommended. Uh, PlayStation 4 game if you're into Star Wars. Oh, I watched all six Star Wars movies. Or, well, I guess there's more than six, but I watched the first six. Um, maybe we'll watch the next ones. I didn't really love the first go-around. Um, if Daniel Shoptaw's in here, C70, he'll probably not like that I said that. Have I watched Tiger King? I watched one episode. Um, it was good. I don't know that I'm, like, sucked into watching the rest of it. I know it gets weird. It sounds like it keeps getting crazier and crazier and people keep coming back. Um, I don't know that I have a strong desire to go back to episode two. If it's on and I'm in the room, that's fine. Uh, it was entertaining, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't good, but it's crazy, but it is entertaining. Um, yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of what I've heard from everybody. So we'll see. I started watching... Uh, so I've watched a few more episodes of Boy Meets World. I've watched a few episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I found out that I'm paying for Netflix and Hulu because um, I never canceled my Hulu subscription. And through Hulu, I'm paying for HBO because that was how, on my TV setup, I had to watch Game of Thrones. So a lot of streaming, a lot of paying for streaming services and not a lot of streaming going on. Um, but it's kind of nice, I guess, to to have all of that in quarantine. Um been playing some games on the Switch, so like downloaded Mario Kart the other day. Um, yeah, I mean, mostly just trying to keep myself sane, um, which is getting tougher and tougher. It's I'm at day, I think, 18 of quarantine, so I'm counting back to March, St. Patrick's Day, or well, not St. Patrick's Day, but March 14th was kind of my first day of like... I had to work, but I had to work from home, uh, and since then, been home pretty much the whole time. Graham, did I see your dog post? I did see the one where you walked Brownie. I did. I'm very jealous. Um, my, I had a couple friends that recently adopted a foster dog that looks very, very much like, like Brownie does, so, um, hopefully maybe I'll get to walk that dog if they go to work, because, like I said before, it sounds like my roommates are not in favor of me getting a dog, which is fair. I disagree, but there's probably a reasonable concern that I couldn't raise another life. Um, Colton Wong, uh, Cardinals Gifts. So I've been talking um, with Gifts on the side about several different projects. So I think the follower stuff is going to get put into more of a 
kind of coherent thing, so I'll kind of give the same go through Colton Wong the same way. But um, so obviously we look back at his year. He was worth almost four wins above replacement. He had the he won the Gold Glove because he actually hit well enough to win a Gold Glove. Um, he had a 108 WRC plus, which with that metric, 100 is average, and then every percent above or below is like a percent above or below average. So he is by that at least eight percent above average. Um, I've been kind of like trying to find signs that he actually broke out. Um, and so far, I think it's sort of called into question if his success offensively, at least, is repeatable. Um, you can kind of start with the easy stuff and say, like, he had a 321 batting average of balls in play um, versus career average of 294. So, probably some luck involved um, getting you know, his bat pips kind of varied pretty wildly throughout his career. Um, but this was definitely one. I think this was the second highest. It's not something that like you can necessarily count on to, to carry the next year. He didn't develop any more power last year, despite having the juiced ball. So his isolated slugging percentage, which is slugging slugging percentage over batting average, is basically a rate at a kind of a rate at how many extra base hits you get, was the same in 2018 and 2019. And it was in line with his career average. So there's no no more power despite the juice ball. Um, his walk rate was up a little bit, uh, but it wasn't like out of the range that he's done over the last four years, so that kind of stayed the same. Uh, for a while, he had been improving his, his walk rate every year by a little bit, um, lowering his strikeout rate every year by a little bit. Um, that didn't happen this year. Walks were up a little bit, but so were strikeouts, uh, both of them not really meaningful meaningfully up. Um, he hit less ground balls, which is good, um, but he hit his fly balls softer, which is bad. So Wong already doesn't hit his fly balls hard. So like, you've heard a lot about the like air ball revolution or launch angle revolution, whatever you want to call it. Colton Wong's a guy that really probably shouldn't hit fly balls because he doesn't do much with them. Um, his home runs, he's got to kind of tucked over. He's got to tuck over right field, the right field fence generally. Uh, his barrel rate on fly balls was seven percent, which is low, and it was his lowest since 2016. Um, he had a on contact. He had a 115 WRC plus, so 15% above average. But relative to uh, his past years, that his contact results were basically identical. Um, I think the two big things that maybe popped out are the most, um, probably the most fluky, I would say, um, is on grounders. He hit 268 last year versus 227 for his career and. That's about two thirties the major league average. Basically, if he would have hit in line with his normal average, he would have lost seven base hits. He also had eleven hits on bunts, um, excluding sacrifices. He hit six hundred on bunts, uh, and his career average before last year was three ninety. So that's another like four hits that he you know he got through bunts. Which maybe there's a skill there, but next year like people are going to be more ready for that. He's going to be a step or two slower. Um, it's just, I think it's really easy to see where a couple balls don't, you know, a couple bounces don't go his way. And now we're talking about a guy who's, uh, 90 to 95 OPS plus hitter as opposed to 108. And that's exactly what he's been for his whole career. So I think for a long time, Wong has been a steady, you know, just his situation hasn't been steady at all. He's been jerked in and out of the lineup. I think getting away from Mike Matheny has really helped him, but from a value perspective, he kind of consistently puts up um, 
seasons where he's a little below average as a hitter, maybe about a, a little above average, and overall he's a two and a half to three win player. I think that's probably probably what to expect from him next year. I I don't think there's a real breakout there. Um, but again, it, it's nice that he's settled in, that he's been able to settle in and find some consistency, um, which is something he was not able to find under Mike Matheny at all. Um, so again, I mean, the, the defense is legit. Uh, I think for a while, I kind of doubted his, his ability on on defense. You know, he's always been able to make the flashy plays. I think for a while there was an argument that he didn't make enough of the routine one stout way, um, or he made more misplays on easier balls to that outweighed um, what he did on uh, on tougher plays, which was kind of borne out when Statcast released infielder outs above average, but. The last two years, he's fixed that, and he's his defense is legit. Um, with him and DeYoung, the Cardinals have one of the best middle infields. Um, you know, probably for the next few years at least. Might not be one of the most offensive, uh, offensively great infields, but it's uh, they'll be probably a top five, definitely top ten infield combination for for the next few years. Which I mean, it to have that at you know both of them relatively, relatively speaking low cost, um, is a great asset for the Cardinals. So, all right. I've lost a little bit on my Periscope, so I don't know, not seeing as many comments, having a little, I don't know what the deal is here. I have technical issues every time, which is, um, a little odd, but, um, any other comments? I wanted kind of playing on this to be a little bit shorter. So, you know, if there's any, any more comments, questions, I'll take those, but I think, you know, we'll probably trend to wrapping up here soon. Um, again, I think Adam Wainwright and Dexter Fowler both deserve shout-outs for the work that they've done um, to help their communities and help the you know minor leaguers. So for Adam Wainwright, again, $250,000 to more than baseball, basically pays for 25 minor leaguers for a full season. Um and Dexter Fowler donate, helping to donate 64,000 meals to, uh, to to people suffering from quarantine or school closures or work loss out in Las Vegas. Um, those are two incredible things. Um, I think you know Adam Wainwright is going to go down as, for a lot of people, one of their favorite Cardinals. He's one of, as a player, he's one of their all-time best. As a person, he, he continually um, does stuff like this, and I think, for Dexter Fowler, um, like I said before, the signing kind of was what it was. I think they'd mostly gotten what they what you'd expect out of him. But the fact that he's going out doing these things on his own, um, you know, being shown in a Cardinals jersey, uh, flashing the smile he has, uh, he's he's been a great. Maybe maybe he's not the face of the franchise for the Cardinals right now, um, but. When he when he's the public image, he's a great public image for the team, um, and I think you know it's it's incredible that, that they're doing that work. Graham, what kind of dog do I want? Uh, yeah, so this is so I want in a world where I don't have to think about anything else. I would want a golden retriever in a world where I have to think about whether it's going to shed. I would want a golden doodle, and in a world where I have to get a golden doodle bred and be on a wait list for a very long time and pay a lot 
for the dog, I would want probably not a golden doodle. I haven't gotten that far, but um, I think you know realistically, I'm if I'm getting a dog, at least in the next, if it's within the next year, it's going to have to be a dog that doesn't shed, which is obviously they're out there, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I live with two two guys right now. Um, I don't know how supportive. Uh, Golden Doodle, so the cost I saw was like $3,000, and uh, yeah, so it's about the same as a tiger, apparently. Um, yeah, Golden Doodles go quickly in animal shelters. They're a great dog. They're a golden retriever that doesn't shed and looks like a poodle, so, uh, but yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Again, I, I don't know. I think maybe my roommates would deal with it if I got a dog. I don't think they'd be totally supportive, which is fair, because uh, they know me well enough to know that it's a bad idea. Um, but we also have hardwood floors everywhere, and it would be impossible to clean up the dog hair without, like, hiring somebody to vacuum 24-7. Uh, also be concerned with it getting lonely during the day. My job isn't always this flexible. Obviously, working at home, you're here all the time, but when we're working, we can get jammed. Why do I room? It's got to be difficult. They just... Uh, I would rather my roommates be difficult and not let me get a dog I can't take care of than be, be, be like, super supportive of me getting a dog and then not think about the reasons I couldn't take care of a dog. Now, do I want them to come out and say, yeah, I'll get a dog, like, we'll help walk it, all that stuff? Like, sure, but is it the best idea for them to say that? Probably not. Um, so I at least appreciate that they're honest. Um, and, I don't know, getting a dog, I'm 25. I can get a dog when I'm 30 and I won't lose anything. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. And maybe fostering a dog while I'm working from home makes sense. Um, we're looking at that too, I guess. But uh, even that, like, we'll see. Looking into fostering because you can get out of that pretty quickly. Uh, but owning right now probably doesn't make sense. Maybe if I talk about how it won't happen enough, it'll happen. It seems like most of what I say goes the opposite way, so. Right, um, let's see. I I think, again, um, you know, I appreciate you guys coming in. I'll take, if, you, if there's any more comments, I'll take a couple more. Um, but otherwise, probably planning to wrap up here. Um, again, I think, you know, main, you're hearing players say it, I think, um, you know, you have different, there's definitely different points of view, um, for lack of a better word, um, on kind of how to handle this. I think, you know, the important thing is to the extent you can, uh, you know, we, the, the best thing we can do for, to kind of get sports back on track is to be kind of responsible the way we need to be during the pandemic. So, you know, to the extent there's orders or you need to stay inside, um, take these things seriously, listen, listen to your government, listen to your medical experts. Um, and you know, hopefully we'll get through this and we'll get back to baseball. Uh, what player got me, who are my three favorite Cardinals of the 2010s? Uh, Chris Carpenter, Matt Carpenter, and Matt Holiday. Sure. Um, could probably throw Wayno in there instead of Holiday. What player got me most excited during spring training? Probably, probably Ponce. Lane Thomas, too, a little bit, just because it was nice to see him kind of come back from the injury and carry. Uh, 
carry the success he had at the major league level last year in spring, even though, um, you know, the players he was facing in spring weren't that, um, high of quality. He was facing a lot of, like, my, you know, single A, double A guys, but I think probably Ponce, uh, just a lot of that's from the driveline story. Um, for people that haven't seen, uh, Joe Schwartz, I think, forget who wrote the article, Joe Schwartz has talked about it and, um, it was reported probably in the post-dispatch that over the, uh, over the winter, Pont, Daniel Ponce Leon went to driveline and basically worked with their experts, their pitching experts, on how to best um, kind of coordinate the spin efficiency between his pitches. So he's a guy that he throws a four-seamer that's pretty much pure, almost pure backspin. Um, he throws a curveball that mirrors that almost exactly, so he has kind of a fastball that rises and tails a little bit, a curveball that dives and breaks left a little bit. Um, but he didn't really have a third pitch that was great. Uh, and so he went to drive line to figure out how to get his cutter, uh, kind of fit in between those two. Cause a lot of times last year he would throw a cutter and it would back up. So he'd, he'd throw a pitch that's supposed to break from right to left and it would break from left to right a little bit, not a lot, but like it just wasn't the shape you want. So he worked with drive line to kind of refine that. I think I was excited to see him. I think it's tough going to be tough for him to get in the, in the rotation. I think he's a guy you'd like to see what you have. So far, everything they've thrown at him, he's handled uh, incredibly well. Um, but it, it's he's in a tough spot because he's probably the sixth guy. Uh, you know, he's maybe going to get get a chance with Michael as starting the season on the injured list, but now with the with the delay, he's not going to get that. Um, even if, like even if you start the season July first, Michaelis will be ready. So your rotation is going to be Flaherty, Michaelis, Martinez, Hudson, and Wayne, right? Right? Maybe Kim, but Ponce is definitely on the outside looking in. Hopefully he can get off the Memphis shuttle a little bit, but it's tough because you know as a from the team's perspective, you can never have too many arms injuries come up. Like Ponce will for sure get his chance uh, the next time baseball is played. It's just he's not going to be like where Hudson was kind of coming into the season, like definitely going to be the fifth starter last year. Uh, and Flaherty was coming in, he was definitely going to be towards the top of the rotation. Ponce kind of has to wait out for, for a chance. And it's a tough situation to be in, especially for a guy that's putting in the work like he has and has kind of dealt with the injury, the scary line drive off the face, where, you know, I think a lot of us thought, you know, maybe his baseball career was going to be potentially over. Uh, to bounce back from that as quickly as he did and then come back and be as effective as he has been um, at every level he's played is a really good story. Uh, and hopefully hopefully we can see it bear out on the Major League roster um, this year, next year, whatever it is. Uh, but again, the Cardinals have had to trade away talented players before. They have a lot of guys that are similar. Like I mean, the difference between... Wainwright, and if you go down the list to Gomber, who's probably the eighth, is not that much right now. Uh, so it's good to have depth, but from the team's perspective, it's great to have depth. From a player's perspective, it's tough to be in that situation. Who the hell am I, and why do I have 80 people watching? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. So I am Zach. Uh, I write random stuff about the Cardinals. Um, most of it's probably wrong. Most of it's probably stupid. Um, some of it seems okay. I try to word it so I sound smarter than I am. Uh, but yeah, so 
that's pretty much the story. I, why there's 80 people watching, I don't know. We're all in quarantine and bored. Does Thomas have the potential to be an everyday player? Is he more of a fourth outfielder? Um, I, I mean, I, so I, to be fair, haven't watched him a ton in the minors. I would say probably more of a fourth outfielder. Um, thanks, Bezelowski. You appreciate my insight. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you guys watching and commenting. Um, yeah, I would say for Thomas, like fourth outfielder is probably kind of the, I mean, he's probably already talented enough to be a fourth outfielder. He's, he's fast. He plays pretty good defense. Um, so in a situation where there is upside if he kind of hit, if he hits, but he's never been a, like above average major league hitter um, or above average hitter at most of the minor league levels he was at. So he did well last year uh, when we saw him for a little bit. He did well in spring training. I'm hopefully hoping to have uh, more on him kind of when we get closer to a potential season starting. Um yeah, probably more of a fourth outfielder. Uh, she doesn't even go here. You know, I will take every viewer I can. Whether I think it's it's good. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but I am glad they're asking who I am because, to be honest, uh, I don't know. It is kind of funny. Just kind of some random person. But she counts as a viewer, so I'll take it. Um, all right. I think with that, uh, we're going to wrap up again. Thank you guys for watching. Um, trying to get through... <laughs> the quarantine in the sportsless world uh, as best we can. Uh, appreciate you guys com coming in to talk about uh, baseball to the extent we can. Uh, like I said before, you know, do I think the best things we can do to get sports back in 2020 is going to be to take, um, you know, we got to, regardless of how seriously you think uh, this pandemic or coronavirus is whether you think it's serious whether you whether you think it's not um uh, that's my thanks dad thanks for watching <laughs> um i'm glad i have supportive parents too it's helpful um to the extent that regardless of how serious you think it is uh nationally and locally people are taking it very seriously um and in order to get in order to get sports back um you know we're gonna have to we're gonna to have to take it seriously. Like they're not gonna come out and, and t until they're until nationally medical experts are saying it is okay to have large groups of people uh, grouping together in one place. We're not gonna have sports. So the best thing we can do is take social distancing, uh, take quarantine seriously, um, and hopefully you know we can. Everybody says flatten the curve. Hopefully we can get through this uh, as quickly as possible and get back to, to life as normal uh, as soon as we can. Uh, thanks again. Uh, appreciate the time, guys.